to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. It's the power of love. Woo! This week, my guest is once again the wonderful Pete GK. We're talking about hoverboards. We're talking about girls and cupcakes. We're talking about VHS rental stores and horror movies. It's fucking great. Pumped about this episode. So happy to bring it to you. Uh, this is kind of like a little warm-up for the next Sci-Fi on Trial featuring Back to the Future 3 that I'm recording tonight. I cannot wait. Let's jump into this conversation. Here's Pete. Um, okay, so I wanted to get some wine, so I went to Walgreens because I had to pick up a prescription, and I found this. And then look, look at, look at the name of this wine. Cupcake Vineyards Pinot Grige. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so because it was called Cupcake... I went and got his cupcakes. Naturally. <laughs> and all of this was just a big excuse to go to the cupcake store. I just needed like the tiniest reason because I have this like, <laughs> I, have this, <laughs> I, first of all, there. I love cupcakes and like cupcake Royale is so good and they have gluten-free cupcakes that I just like <laughs> get all up in arms about because they're so delicious. And there's this girl that works at the cupcake shop. I was going to say, I th- I'm <laughs> sure there's something else going on here. But <laughs> that is so cute. And I like see her around the hill sometimes, and I've never spoken to her before, but she's so cute. So, And I, I walk miles past there sometimes, and I was walking past recently. I mean, I walk pil- miles past there like every day because I live like a block away, and he's right. it's on my walking path. Right. Um, <laughs> And then the other day, I like accidentally locked eyes with this girl behind the counter at Cupcake Royale, <laughs> and I was like... I couldn't look away because she's like so cute. I just like couldn't couldn't look away. And then I felt like such a creep. You know, I'm yeah. like the dude outside, the creepy dude with the dog who just walks by and like peeps on this like cupcake lady in. all the time. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I was like talking to my friend about this last night. I'm like, I kind of want to go in and just say hi sometime and not be such a creep. And she like gave me some advice. Uh, she said, you know, you should just like walk in and say, hey, like I saw you, you saw me. I just want to say hi. My name is Jesse. Let's be friends. And I'm like, that's great advice because my <laughs> my initial instinct would be uh, to walk in and say, "Hey, I'm Jesse. Do you uh, want to get married and stuff?" <laughs> like I would just I lay it on just way too thick all the time. No, I feel you. I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. So so, so I went in today uh, because I got cupcake wine and it gave me this like boost. I'm like, well, this wine says cupcake. I'm gonna go in and like say hi to this girl. So I went in and I bought his cupcakes and I said hi to this girl and she's very nice. That's awesome. Yeah. The, uh, and that's the end of the story. I mean, the, Are you guys engaged yet? Or uh, I, I don't want to be the guy that, like asks out a girl at her job. You know, yeah, that's yeah. not cool. Like I, I used to work at Starbucks, and this girl came in and, and asked me out once, and I was dating someone else at the time, and it was the most like horribly awkward situation because like how do you let someone down easy when you're surrounded by your coworkers and they're all staring at you? Yeah, you know, get to know someone well enough to know if they're single before you ask them out. That's my, that's my theory. Because I used to like go randomly ask out girls all the time. See, that's like, this is all knowledge to me because like I'm not, <laughs> I've like, I've just been a, like a serial monogamist my whole life and I've yeah. been like really doing the work in the past like four weeks to be like, no, like I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out me, spend some time on me. So like, I'm like, yeah, yeah tell me more about what, <laughs> what I should do as a single person. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. I do know what not to do. <laughs> I, I've done several things wrong in my life. <laughs> Man, I always like wait until it's the perfect moment, which is, or but see, that, how do you identify? I either always do that or I always ask people out at the worst time. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying now. Okay, so when I was in college, I dated this girl, Zana, and she played oboe in orchestra. Nice. And she was just so cute. Uh, and I saw her in orchestra all the time. I'd never spoken to her once before. And then I saw her like sitting on a bench on campus, and I just walked up. 
and I asked her out and she said yes. And it was like, <laughs> I, it went, uh, maybe that's how it went. I, that's I know how you after, remember that's it. how i remember <laughs> i can't remember exactly what happened in that conversation but i do know that after that first conversation she invited me to come to her cafe where she worked uh called studio diner and i went with my friend and we just like sat and she's like served us food and that's like my fantasy for some reason i don't know why <laughs> just like i always, this is why i ask out people in the worst places because like something about uh girls at their job turns me on i don't know why <laughs> like if you're at work and you're having fun at your job there's something so sexy about that to me I can get that, yeah, because it's like you're you're clearly enjoying the thing that you're doing for money, which is a big thing. Because like you know, I don't know, a lot of people hate their jobs. So yeah, if somebody likes their job, hell yeah, totally that's awesome. Yeah. So that time it worked. I just like walked up and I don't know. I, I just had this feeling that that was the moment to do it. You know, like yeah. she was on the park bench, uh, she was like alone, and I just like beelined it over there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened to that kid with that confidence, like. I, yeah. I have I have more confidence now in myself. I think I was dumber and and more had more confidence that when I asked girls out, they would say yes when I was younger. Because I, I maybe I've just been rejected too many times. At this point, <laughs> you know, I think there, there's a part that plays into it that's sort of like um, you're more socially aware as you get older. Like you get like you're more confident in yourself, but you're also more aware of like everything right. else around you. And you're like, okay, yeah, I have to like don't want to disturb the waters too much. Or that's that's what I. I, you're right. No, you're counter. totally right. Because there's this weird etiquette to existence that you kind of pick up on as you get older. Yeah, which like is totally bullshit. Like, like it's, know, it's, yeah, or mostly bullshit. But like, yeah, yeah you, and and it kind of gets instilled in you a little more as you're older. Whereas, yeah, if you're like 19 or whatever, it's just like roll up and be like, "Hey, what's up? You're pretty hot. You into me? <laughs> no. All right, peace. <laughs> yeah. Take off on a longboard or something. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what kids do anymore, but. <laughs> Or a hoverboard. Yeah. Oh, oh, segue. Shit. Also, kind of, yeah. Segway that loosely segue. involves segways. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here today to right an egregious wrong. Last time you were on the podcast, we had one plan. We were going to talk about hoverboards. <laughs> what the fuck did we talk about? We talked about like time travel and, and cheese uh, and, and feminism. feminism. That's right. And we like, waded into like very murky waters. <laughs> but I'll, I will tell you that uh, Kayla who's been on the show several times, who's uh, just like a super awesome person and like definitely a feminist. I sent that episode to her. I was like, please tell me if we fucked up, you know? Which I, I so appreciate because like I was kind of loaded. Like I wasn't like, <laughs> loaded, but like I was like, I was tipsy enough that I was like, oh, right. I hope I didn't say anything. Like we were at the bottom of a yeah. bottle of wine at, yeah. by the end of that episode, <laughs> which will happen again today. We just cracked open this cupcake wine <laughs> and we're eating cupcakes. Eating eating on mic is the, the most disgusting thing. Okay. Let's let's make an example. Yeah, before we get into it, I'm gonna take a slice of this sweet uh bacon have, bacon maple cupcake from Cupcake Royale on Capitol Hill. Can't recommend it enough. And I got a I got a chocolate gluten free, because that's how I roll. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hot damn. Mm. Oh man. You said they're gluten free too? This one is. Okay. Yours is not. Mine's is just whatever. So hopefully. Gluten doesn't kill you. I don't have a gluten intolerance that I'm aware of. Well, you're about to find out if you do. <laughs> mm. was, this is good podcasting. Yeah, oh, right here. This, this is two what, men <laughs> making, making cupcake joy sounds. Making, making dad noises while eating dad cupcakes. Dad noises. <laughs> mm. Mm. Now I'm afraid. I'm afraid you're going to like take that audio and like splice it up or something and be like... Put it to a beat. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> and wash it down with some cupcake wine. Hmm. What more could you want? Um, so last time 
we were going to talk about hoverboards. Like I, I wanted you to come on the show and I like floated the idea past you of coming on the show. And whenever I invite people on the show, I always ask them what they want to talk about. Cause you know, I do this every week. I, I want to hear what other people have to say. Uh, cause I'm sure I'll have something to say about everything because I'm yeah. a very chatty person. Uh, so you said hoverboards. I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like I would love to talk about hoverboards. And it didn't happen. Like, no. we talked for three hours or something. Like, it never came up. We never talked about it. I don't know what happened. I can't remember either. I, I remember, like, coming over here and, like, I remember being like, I'm so stoked to talk about this because it was, like, at the forefront of my mind for right. some reason. It was around the holiday season, right? Like, around, like, December? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. It was because I just moved up to this apartment, so it was right around December. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I don't, I can't even remember what the impetus was, like, why I was so pissed off about hoverboards like i think <laughs> you, you were angry i, I was even know very that. angry yeah because um so like the uh the the two-wheeled like self-balancing hoverboard things that, right like i think right around last holiday season they were getting really popular right and like wiz khalifa had been arrested on one in an airport which like <laughs> admittedly was probably like it was fucked up and probably racially motivated and excessive but on top of that there was like hoverboards exploding in people's homes right. and like fires starting and i was like the whole time, the thing that was pissing me off was like, none of these actually hover. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Total bullshit. When, so when I discovered that there was a product on the market called a hoverboard that does not hover, um, I felt like I, I had this intense peak of emotion where I was like, <laughs> there's a hoverboard on the market and I just soared yeah. to like miraculous heights. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, it's got wheels. And then I just crashed and burned. Exactly. What, what do you want more in life than a working hoverboard? <laughs> Tell me, because for me, it's nothing. Like, <laughs> There's literally nothing else in the world. No. As far as, like, material possessions. Oh, totally. Uh, I Like, there's definitely emotional stuff I want more than a hoverboard. <laughs> but as far as, like, material possessions, the uh, the pink Mattel hoverboard from Back to the Future 2 is my life's goal. Like, that's what I want. So what are these fucking things that are called hoverboards that don't hover? Like, what's the... What's the deal? Well, what Jesse, are they? Well, <laughs> you've got like a pile of notes. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Yes. It's like I have like no, all these papers. So good. There's like, pictures. Oh, there's this pictures, is awesome. Uh, there's pictures of the Swagway hoverboard, uh, which is obviously a play on Segway and this guy. And I, I can't even remember what the hell all the notes say at this point. These are like four month old notes and they're fracture, like fra like like bits and pieces of notes that I pulled out of like parts of my desk. And I was like, okay, this is what we were going to talk about originally. Um, so what I've gathered is that uh, it was late 2014, a bunch of companies in uh, uh, most of them kind of like rooted in, in the U.S. I think they were doing like a lot of marketing in the U.S. and they were having a manufactured in uh, China like we do with every with cell everything. phone that we own. <laughs> yeah. um, so all of these like these two wheeled self-balancing personal transporters started coming over and one company coined the term hoverboard and then. That was the one that eventually Wiz Khalifa got arrested on, which garnered like a ton of uh, press. I mean, like there's a lot of stuff going on involving that case, but that got a ton of press for people like riding these things. I, I've never even heard about this. Oh, this is yeah, the first I've ever heard about this Wiz Khalifa thing. Let me. Uh, I like, I've, see, I've seen these on the street, these like two wheeled hoverboard things. Yeah. And also like the one wheeled one. I see those a lot. The one wheeled one. OK, so. Yeah, let, let's talk about the the like the different classifications. Here. Yeah, because <laughs> there's there's so there's the two wheeled self balancing scooter, mm -hmm. which is what people often refer to as a hoverboard. Mm -hmm. There's also, I think, from what I have gathered, they're called like one wheeled electric scooters, or some people call them unicycles. Mm -hmm. 
uh, so the the two wheeled ones they're super like they'll they'll get stopped at nothing. Like this is why I think calling them a hoverboard is total bullshit. <laughs> they'll get you can run into a crack and it completely immobilizes them. Like they can't like if you were to ride it from uh, okay. So Jesse's kitchen as it comes into his living room, there's a small uh, little metal ridge. If you were to hit that on a quote unquote hoverboard, it, you wouldn't be able to pass over it. You're done. Like that's where your ride stops, and you're wow. probably gonna fall off and look like an idiot. So (laughs) it's like Marty going on water. You're done. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) You stall out in the middle of the park. Um, Yeah. So to call it a hoverboard. Don't go on water. (laughs) Unless you have power. (laughs) Oh, my God. Griff Tannen. Griff Griff Tannen Tannen. was one of the weirdest characters. Like half of his head was metal or something. He had like a metal helmet on. (laughs) It looks like like Bart Simpson's head. Yeah. Except yeah. made of metal. <laughs> we'll come back to this. Continue. Continue. Yeah, I don't want to get sidetracked again. Um, so, yeah. And then, but then these other ones, these, these single wheeled scooters, um, they're, they appear a little more rugged. I see them downtown a lot. Um, yeah. And I think this is why I got so pissed off originally. I don't want to talk about hoverboards because there's like, there's like two guys and I'm sure they're wonderful people, but every fucking day I see them roll past our, our, like this window in our back office. And they are like tearing through the bike lane, and they're moving at a really good clip too, mm-hmm. like like pretty good. Um, but for some reason, like they always have like this totally disinterested look on their face, and it's like you're living in the fucking future, and you don't give a <laughs> shit. Like like this thing, you're standing on like a small platform on top of a wheel that will not allow you to fall off. Gyroscopic mm-hmm. science is keeping you on your feet, and you'd look totally bored by it. like you're checking wow. tweets, like. I'm nodding my head vigorously. (laughs) So I think that's where a lot of my anger came from surrounding hoverboards. Um, So do you think that, do you think that hoverboards are distancing us from reality one step further away? Cause I wonder about this. Cause I walk home a lot. Like I I bust downtown, I walk up Capitol Hill and there are dudes on those like unicycle ones and they just tear up the hill, right? Tearing up the hill. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this half of me that's like really jealous. And then there's this half of me that's like, well, if I'm going to tear up a hill, I kind of want to use my own power so that I'm like strengthening myself. Like I want to bike or walk. That's I've, I've been, I, I like, I bike through the city a lot and I've totally been on like hill climbs and I'll see people go by on e-bikes mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and like the, like the, like sort of self-powered bikes, um, that help assist people up hills. And I get this, I get the exact same feeling yeah. as I do about people on the, the unicycle things where I'm like, that's total bullshit. And it's like, yeah, but it would like, <laughs> I would be way less tired at the top of this hill. Like it'd yeah. be awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Cause like you, well, for, first of all, all the people I've seen on those unicycles do look very fit. It's not like, <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. It's not like they're turning into like those crazy large people from Wally, you know? Right, right. They're not like floating around and hovering easy or lazy boys. And right. Can you can you say lazy boy? On, is that proprietary? I don't know. We oh, already I saw hoverboard. I guess who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've I straight up steal music from and, like quotes and things from movies. Sometimes <laughs> I don't care. It's the podcasts are so completely unregulated. We can do anything we want. Nice, which is awesome. Yeah, I was. I, I, I can't think fast enough to say. I was going to say. I know, like as soon as you say George Lucas, everything, hey, anything like, you want, yeah. like your brain just shuts off. It's like, oh well, then I don't want to do anything because yeah. that's too many options. <laughs> so this idea of the hoverboard, um, I mean, we keep kind of going back to Back to the Future, and that's because the um, the idea of a hoverboard itself wasn't even that 
popularized until Back to the Future 2 when you had that Mattel hoverboard. Wait, um, was there an idea of a hoverboard before that? That's, I mean, to me, I feel like that was the impetus of the whole thing. That's why, okay, so there's, I, when I was originally doing research, I remember seeing one note that said it was like mentioned in some weird like some obscure sci-fi paperback really um yeah like from like the 60s i the 60s if i'm remembering properly yes and wow. I, I could be completely wrong here interesting but i do remember seeing that there was like one other noted place and i i tried to find that source again and i couldn't huh. um but so i read that but then really like back to the future 2 totally popularized it and now like you can see it in uh spider like the spider-man movies that came out in the early 2000s where like the you green had goblins, yeah, the green goblin board, on like the, yeah. the giant board and um there was Airblade, which was a video game that involved oh. hoverboards i think that was on the ps2 uh and a couple other things where like so, like it just became a thing you know like it's it, like a big part of pop culture exactly and like everybody dreams about it and like oh man if i had a fucking hoverboard like i could go anywhere um yeah and it would be awesome but alas we are we are we're not so far, actually, which is the cool thing that came up while I was uh, looking into this. There's a few companies. Uh, there is uh, Lexus and ArxPax. So Lexus created, uh, well, ArxPax actually created a really cool-looking, authentic hoverboard, right? Um, I mean, not, I shouldn't say authentic, like, whatever. Uh, it looks way futuristic, like maybe in 30 years, they'll actually have it down to, like, a skateboard that you can ride on. Right. The The rub is that it uses these superconducting magnets that only allow it to operate on a magnetic surface or, like, this copper material. And uh, they have an awesome video of Tony Hawk riding one. It's really cool. Check I've it out. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah I it's saw that. It's super cool, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is, It is like, for all intents and purposes, like, the, the physical definition of a hoverboard, it is a hoverboard. Right. It is hovering, and you, he was riding it like a skateboard. But from what I can tell, it's in, insanely hard to ride, and like you said, only works on that one material. Yeah. So it's it's like the first step, but it's not it's not something that I want to rush out and spend money on because it's not enough of the hoverboard that I want from Back to the Future Two. Right. And that's like that's that's the rub because like yeah. you see it in like Tony Hawk is like pirouetting like on a like a mini ramp and he's like oh I can't steer it like yeah. <laughs> like like there's no directional kind of uh, uh, steering to it yet, which yeah. I guess makes sense. Um, yeah, because it's got no nothing connected to the ground. It's like a maglev, but with zero direction. Like, right. like it just hovers, and then you kind of hope that it goes the way you want it to go. Yeah, Lexus put out a like a really crazy promo video that appears to be like a realistic hoverboard, right? And it's like running all over the place, and it like, but that was fake, right? Yeah, like it wasn't, it wasn't fake. It was just like a mostly done in post-production like yeah like they they had some guy like ride it a couple times like in in relatively straight lines and then just like fixed everything else that way but it mm. ran off the same sort of technology as the arcs packs one superconducting magnets okay. uh on a fixed track but like mm. the way that they doctored the footage it looked like it was just some dude at a skate park like yeah. busting out the sweet lexus hoverboard which... wasn't there I, I this might be the that might be the video i'm thinking of but there was a video within the last year that came out that was like straight up fake where it was like they said like we've invented the hoverboard i think that it was like an april fool's prank or something yeah that was i think that was funny or die yeah i think and, that's the one i'm thinking of yeah and, and didn't they get uh christopher lloyd in it or am i crazy i can't remember for sure they might have they might have had i i remember okay i remember that one because i think tony hawk was in that one too 
Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. pro skater, and then um, I'm pretty sure Tony Hawk was is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, and I might be combining these two videos together too, because whenever like there's a new hoverboard video, I watch it. Yeah, exactly. What are you gonna do? Not watch it? Like right. it's like holy shit! Is the future finally here? Right. But <laughs> I remember watching that video, and like I for half a second, I really believed it. Yeah, and, me too. And at some point, like it was like halfway through the video, like he was like up, like. 10 feet in the air and like peer like kind of starting to do that thing where they pirouette a little bit and it's like no he's on a crane no but and my heart heart broke yeah and i saw this other video of these like people building something in their home that i think was just like super powered fans that were strong enough to lift you off the ground yes that was another uh that's another piece of information that i've lost but there was a guy (laughs) there was a dude uh i believe he was he's a romanian and he constructed like it's an actual like like it's a hoverboard but not the way that you would traditionally think of it it's Mm -hmm. like it's a it has a foot deck that you stand on and there are six fans i believe that are pretty large and it goes it he took it through a bunch of different iterations but he finally got it to a point where i think it was operating off a single electric charge yeah, yeah, because he had a bunch of different uh, lithium-ion batteries. Um, and he rode it, like, over a lake. And he actually broke a Guinness Book of World Records for it. Wow. So it, it's functional. It works. Um, and if there's anybody who's going to take us to that point, I think it's going to be that dude. But it's a matter of, um, I guess, make, like getting you have to get all that lift from, from whatever you have available. And right now it's either fans or superconducting magnets. And and the superconducting magnets only work on metal. Exactly. And on top of that, like they only operate for 10 minutes tops. Wow. So like on a good day. I mean, what we need is is anti-gravity. Exactly. What we need is like those <laughs> anti-grav like metal discs that are on the bottom of the yeah, like, board. What were those things? Yeah. Like I, I remember seeing them as a kid. Like because when you see that board in the film, you're just like, I buy it. Like whatever it is. I, like I understand totally. it and it makes sense probably. But it it's such effective filmmaking, and so many people thought that that was real. Like the the studio got so many phone calls of people thinking that Marty McFly was actually riding a new technology. <laughs> like if if hoverboards had been real when that movie came out, and that was like the promo video for hoverboards, they would have sold so many that like the world would have exploded. Like, you know? like if that had actually been a Mattel product, like right? If they had been really savvy about it. Mattel like, would yeah. now be like our overlords. Mattel <laughs> would own the entire planet. Mattel would become Skynet. Like exactly, they got so so many phone calls, like so many letters of people wanting to buy the hoverboard because it's shot so fucking well. I watched this movie last night because I'm preparing for the next sci-fi yeah. on trial, and the special effects in Back to the Future Two are exceptionally good. Like they're they're like really close to being as good as if they'd done it today and and in many situations in the movie they did things that they wouldn't have done today that look better like where they actually built like a hydraulic lift to get these cars up in the air um so like describe that yeah well like there'll be a shot of uh of doc like landing the delorean and it is actually a car in the air that is being lowered to the ground because they built a lift to like to oh. hold it up in the air, whereas now they would have done it with CG, you know, because yeah. it's cheaper and easier, I'm sure, than like building this crazy lift, where they actually have an actor up in a car in a lift that they're lowering to the ground. So they have like a, a 
blue screen footage of probably like a miniature car or something flying through the air. And then they cut to the next shot and it's a real car on set on a lift being lowered down. And it ties the world together. Like it ties the special effects into the reality of the situation in such like an incredibly intense way where I, those special effects are like really fucking exceptional. I mean, the whole movie long, all of it was just so convincing. And there's like the shot where uh, Biff steals the the DeLorean and flies up into the air yeah, that you can yeah. tell it's a blue screen shot, but it's so well done. It It's so well done. It's incredible. I really think there was something um, particularly exceptional about a lot of films that were made in the eighties yeah. using like they were right on the cusp of like CG kind of like becoming later CG would come in like in late nineties, early two thousands and just take everything over. Right. Um, but so like in the mid to late eighties, you just had people that were, yeah, like it's like, Oh, we need to get this shot. How do we do it? We'll use a lift. Like we'll do whatever we have to do. Right. Um, and miniatures too, I think were really cool. Oh I mean, you God. see those in star Wars all the time in the yeah. original trilogy. I, I so sad that like this is becoming a lost art. I mean, the whole like kit bashing model building thing I was obsessed yeah. with as a oh kid. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. And I, Back to the Future 2 is one of the best examples because it's not like a space adventure. It's like we need to take these ideas of our near future and make them real. Like mm-hmm. make manifest these visions that they're having of the near future. <laughs> and to to make everyday life look futuristic, I think is a much bigger challenge than to make um, like spaceships fly through space because... We all know what everyday life looks like because we're inside of it every day. Right. So to put something into it and make it look real and have it feel real, uh, even though it's obviously not, is such a feat. And all these new movies, like Minority Report's a really good example, uh, where they do it all with CG, and none of that feels real to me because it's just like this huge wash of, wash of, of pixels. I'm saying the same thing I've said like a thousand times <laughs> on this show. I'm just, but, you know, reaffirmed last night by rewatching Back to the Future 2. I mean, when you lose that tactile, like, element to it, you know? Like, yeah. like, I mean, okay, so, like, when Marty is, like, going going across that pond or whatever, when you need power! Like, yeah. Um, that, like, that scene, you, you look at it and you've already seen that exact same shot, like, a million times in the first one and the second one. So then it's like, oh, okay, I already know what this looks like. And all they do is just add in, like, a little, like, a little bit here, a little bit there. It's nothing too crazy. And I think that is yeah. a big part of the magic. Yeah. Of, uh, so like fast cuts, wire work, um, like all those people were actually on that hoverboard scene. All those people were actually on set, you know, like yeah. there, there are a couple of shots where they do some blue screen stuff, but for the most part, it's like camera trickery to make it look like people are floating. Like they built a rig where like it would hold someone's upper body and then their lower body, they'd shoot only the lower body as they drive down the road. So there's like a stunt man in this harness where his like feet are hovering above the ground, but he is like attached to the vehicle, but they're like driving in front of him and like shooting down so that you only see like the hover. So it looks, it, it looks real because it is actually a person doing that. You just only see like part of the picture. And then they cut to another shot where it's just like Marty from the waist up. And then you just assume like your, your brain stitches it together. You don't need, you don't need like uh, CGI. You don't need special effects. You just yeah. need like on set, you know, special effects, which you're, you're doesn't like, make what I just said doesn't make sense. But I think, you know I mean. yeah, <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah, it's 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 movie magic. You know, it's yeah. showing the the viewer everything that you want them to see, and then they connect the rest in their yeah. brain. It's like, uh, oh god, I'm blanking. There's a there's a horror movie. Oh, Silence of the Lambs. So much of Silence of the Lambs, like people talk about it, like as if it were this 
terribly graphic film but if you actually watch it you don't see like nobody gets stabbed nobody right. like even even in the scene where Hannibal Lecter bites the security guard yeah and like and mutilates him and everything you don't actually see anyone get bitten you don't you you it's all implied and I right. think you know it's really effective it's like uh my Scarface did that like Scarface yeah. got this reputation for being an insanely violent movie almost all the violence in that movie happens off camera like the I haven't seen this in so long. Isn't there a scene where there's like someone who gets a chainsaw in the brain or something? Um, oh, I remember somebody. And, I remember a, cha- a big chainsaw. So I haven't seen Scarface in a long time. Though. They like cut away and just show the blood splatter, but they don't show the actual violence of it. Yeah. And, and it's really, I mean, it feels violent, even though you don't see it. And I, I love that kind of filmmaking where they kind of make you use your imagination to fill things in. Like I've never seen Saw, but like those movies where they just graphically show everything uh, I just don't have that much interest in uh, just because I don't want to see it. You know, like I, I feel like to me, it gets in the way of the storytelling when something is that graphic because I get so like wrapped up in the, in the violence of it. Yeah. You get, you get really caught up in like what you're actually seeing and you kind of lose part, yeah, part of what, you know, if you're making, I mean, not to discredit um, transgressive filmmaking and all that stuff, but like at some point, especially if you're producing something like in like a Hollywood sort of storytelling setting, you lose that storytelling aspect after I don't, I mean, and I can't say what the critical point is, but when people talk about saw, especially the later films, what they're talking about is like, Oh, did you see how this person died? Did you see how that person died? It's not about like, did you like, Oh my God, when I saw the jigsaw, like did such and such a thing. I was, Oh, that blew my mind. I didn't anticipate that at all. Except like, except for the end of the first one. That's like, the first, the first Saw movie is actually really, really good. Is it? I mean, yeah. I haven't seen it, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's, <laughs> it's the, it's it's really well done. I think, um, I think it's a good horror film. But yeah. and there's some twists and turns that like I was not anticipating at all. Interesting. I do love horror movies. I mean, I'm a big fan of Sam Raimi stuff, and there's a lot of blood and gore in those movies, but it's all very like uh art artistically done you know yeah and and it's all done with like a wink and a nod to the audience so it's like we wanted to we want to build these things and make these things happen because we're we're sick motherfuckers <laughs> and we're gonna you know so we're gonna like find a reason to do it to set this tone and that's something i can get behind uh but then there's like uh i'll, I'll here's an example of something i have seen like the house on haunted hill uh the remake Ooh. where it's basically just like two hours of people being killed um and I just, I, there's no point. Like, there was no point to that movie. It was just violent for violence's sake. And I didn't learn anything from it. I didn't get anything from it. And I didn't enjoy it. Okay, so so what then is the difference between that and, say, like, the Sam Raimi sort of approach where you're like, yeah, we're sick motherfuckers, but, like, do you, do you feel that there's maybe something else going on behind a Sam? Like, because like, that was, like, the original Dawn of the Dead and all that yeah. kind of stuff, Evil right? Dead, yeah. Evil Dead, I'm well, sorry. Yeah, I mean, like... To me, most Sam Raimi movies are like people meddling in things that they shouldn't be touching, like pe- people not having respect for the natural world, even though it's the unnatural world in these movies. Like in the Evil in Evil Dead, they read from the Book of the Dead, uh, the Necronomicon, right, right, and it wakes the dead, and then they are all hunted down and killed, basically, yeah, uh, in a nutshell. Uh, but but the movies are shot in like a really artistic way and they're shot like they're made with so much passion and all of the 
the, there's always things that are a little bit silly that happen. Like there's a silliness yeah, yeah. there, and they get obviously they get sillier as they go along. Like the first Evil Dead, uh, and the second. Like Evil Dead 2 is basically a remake of Evil Dead because they right, did it in right. another studio or something like that. Uh, but then Army of Darkness is the third one, and, and it's they... totally goofy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like way off the rails goofy. Uh, but it fi- it all fits in the same world together because there is this sort of like sly winks of the audience happening the whole way through, um, which he very much brought into the Spider-Man movies when he made those, which... Uh, the first two of which I just love, and the third one is just an utter pile of garbage. The third one's where you have emo Spidey, right? Emo Spider-Man, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> emo Peter Parker. Yeah. <laughs> I reference that earlier today. Um, so, I don't know, like, to... It's it's a hard thing to... Like, the question, like, what's the difference? It's a really hard thing for me to put my finger on. I think that maybe... Um, like, the, the point of the movie doesn't seem to be, like, let's show some crazy ways to kill people, you know? Okay, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Like, the point of the movie seems to be... Uh, let's let's horrify and entertain and thrill people um, in this thing that none of us can ever really actually experience, but we all kind of like feel in our nightmares, you know? Yeah. Like the like meddling in something that you shouldn't touch and having it come back to kill you, yeah, um, or haunt you, or or like you know try to like chase you down. Yeah. I, there's there's I don't know. It's it's a very thin line, and I don't I don't understand it. I really don't. Like, I don't know, like, The House on Haunted Hill, like, really bothered me as a movie. I, it was one of the first horror movies I saw in the theater, and I just really didn't like the, it. The remake, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, um, remind me which, I, I know I've seen that movie. I, I dated a woman for a while who was really, really super into horror films. Yeah. Um, but that was, like, that was a long time ago. Like That's why I got into horror movies also. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that wasn't Owen Wilson in that one or something? Or? I, I can't remember. One of those, like, I know gen- Jeffrey like, Rush was in it. Jeffrey Rush. Maybe like Tay Diggs? I, I don't remember. Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs. That name rings a bell, but I I can't remember. I, I remember like a really generic, shaggy-haired white actor. And Let's look it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like we have the entire, you know, amalgamated human knowledge in small rectangles that glow in front of our faces. <laughs> Wait, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, Google. House on Haunted Hill remake. Booyah. <laughs> it's the fucking future. The future, dude. 1999. A millionaire offers a group of diverse people a million dollars to spend the night in a haunted house with a horrifying past. First of all, oh, Franka Jansen was in this. Group of diverse people, definitely not in the original movie. Jeffrey, yeah, totally. <laughs> a, a, like a bunch 90s, of whiteies. Yeah. Go into a scary place. Uh, Jeffrey Rush, Famke Jansen, Tay Diggs, Peter Gallagher, Chris Kattan. What? Ali Larder, Bridget Wilson, Max Perlick, Jeffrey Combs was in this? Holy shit, this cast is amazing. James Marsden? All right, I need to watch this again. Chris Kattan is definitely like a wild card for me. I'm like, really? That's yeah. insane. I have a very strong feeling that if I watch this right now, I'm going to love it. Because <laughs> Like you're talking all this shit. I'm talking all this like shit it. about it, but I like look at this cast. <laughs> I don't know. Horror is interesting. I really didn't like horror when I was a kid. But then like the first horror movie I ever liked was Psycho. Like something about like the cerebral horror movies are the ones that really get me going. That's crazy because that was I, I had the same. Exp- I remember me and my friend Matt were hanging out uh, with my dad before going to youth group one night yeah. um, at the church that I used to go to when I was but a boy. Um, and and my dad like turned on Psycho and he was like, "You sure you want to watch this before you go and talk about Jesus?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's fine." <laughs> and like we watched it was like it blew my mind because before that I I just thought horror movie was 
the horror movies as a genre were kind of like bullshit. Yeah. And I think I was raised to think that my parents didn't watch horror movies. Uh, I wasn't allowed to watch violent movies at all when I was a kid until a certain age. Like Back to the Future was considered to be too violent for me when I was a kid. Really? And uh, it wasn't until I was like a early teenager that I was allowed to watch it. Because I remember like seeing the poster in Video Discount, which was like the the VHS rental store down the street from my house where we went all the time. Yeah. Uh, and there was like a day where we went there and there was a movie. I, I think it might have been Carrie. I'm not sure. Oh. Um, where it was just a bunch of people just being covered in blood and like screaming and like blood flying everywhere. And I like, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch anything like that. And I saw this on this, on the TVs. Cause like the dude behind the counter was watching it or something. Yeah. I have such like vivid, I went to video discount like thousands of times. I have such vi- vivid memories of it. I um, have similar, similar thing. We used to go to West coast video, me, my dad and my, uh, my brothers, we would go there and rent movies or video games every Friday. When yeah. I was growing up, it was like the that's thing awesome for the weekend. But yeah, I remember like the Back to the Future posters being up on the wall and wanting to watch it because I, you know, I was already obsessed with Next Generation at that point. All, all I wanted to do was watch sci-fi movies and like time travel. I yeah. want to watch it, <laughs> uh, and I wasn't allowed until I got a little bit older. And those movies aren't aren't violent. The second one is disturbing. The like Back to the Future Two is very disturbing. I guess yeah, because you get a little bit of that kind of dystopian future yeah. kind of aspect coming into play. Yeah, like the the alternate 1985 where Biff Tannen is Donald Trump basically. Oh my god, yeah. It's I I didn't even pick up on that until this like election year. That, yeah. Like that it very clearly is who they were going for. Yeah. Um like at, in terms of hairstyle and everything. Totally. Else. Like the really gaudy building with like the neon lights at the top. And putting yes. your name on everything. Yeah. <laughs> um what were we talking about? Horror movies. So yeah, when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't really have any exposure to horror movies, mm-hmm. and I didn't like them at all uh, because of that. Because it was like, you know, I was afraid of them because I wasn't allowed to watch them. So then I didn't like them just because I was afraid of them, even though I had no knowledge of what they were at all. And I think The House on Haunted Hill is one of the very first I ever saw. So it'd be really interesting to go back and watch that again. But about four, three, three years ago, I think, um, I met someone who I uh, eventually dated who was really into horror movies. And she showed me uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which is so good. The original one with, yeah. uh, with Johnny with Depp. Johnny Depp. Yeah, <sighs> Johnny Depp's first movie. That movie is incredible. It's insane, right? Yeah. It's an amazing film. That, yeah. A lot of those original slasher films that like we now, as a culture, like all we reference them all the time. Friday the 13th, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, what's the other one? Halloween. Like all those like amazingly well shot, amazingly yeah. well cast. Yeah. And and half of them were operating on a shoestring budget to begin with, which right. I think really helped a lot of it come to life. Yeah. But. Yeah. And actually, another person I'm talking about was has been on the show. It's Heather. Uh, Heather was on the show back. Uh, she, she does the Turn Up the Lady Row podcast. So she introduced me to a lot of this. And then I dated um, someone else who was uh, named Jenny, who was really into Evil Dead. And she showed me all the Evil Dead movies. Okay. Which those were like back to back people that I dated. So like back to back people were really into horror movies, and all I got this like crash course in it all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I I also remember like my I I take it back. I think one of my very first horror movies was actually Event Horizon, uh, which I really wanted to see because it was sci fi and it was uh, uh, Sam Neill, and I was so like hyped up on Jurassic Park at that point. Okay. Um, like, and so, uh, some people would actually consider Jurassic Park to be a horror movie. I don't. I, uh, it, That's a good point. It's I more guess of a thriller, is. I think. I don't know. What do you think? You know, it's it's funny because I guess if you if you frame it that way, because so Event Horizon, I always considered a sci-fi film. I've actually never seen it, but I've like yeah. I'm aware of it, as, like in in our culture and all that stuff. 
Um, and then Jurassic Park. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know what you would call Jurassic Park. It is kind of a weird intersection of maybe it's horror, maybe it's sci-fi. It's like it's playing off these weird kind of ideas. And I think that might be why it kind of uh, it did so well as a film. Yeah. Right? like the And also you know, our entire society's obsession with dinosaurs. Totally. But one of my first podcasts was about Jurassic Park and we talked about the genre and I had a very strong opinion about what genre it was. And I cannot for the life of me remember <laughs> what I thought it was at the time. So whatever it was, I, like I now you feel less horror. strongly. <laughs> yeah. But now that we're like talking about horror movies and then thinking about Jurassic Park, I don't feel like Jurassic Park is a horror movie. Because you, know? you wouldn't put Jurassic Park next to say like Freddy versus Jason. Absolutely or not. Like that. It's a monster movie. But that's true. Like Godzilla is not a horror movie. It's a monster movie. Uh, but there is something terrifying about Jurassic Park. It's, I, absolutely. I mean, especially when you have the kids in the kitchen there and the raptors yeah. are coming after them. Like I remember as a kid watching that just being like freaked out. Like, oh, my God, they're going to die. They're going right. to get disemboweled by these beasts from the past. <laughs> like, Maybe that, not. Uh, it's, it's No, it's a terrifying movie. I mean, like that. That I watched a lot of these movies all around the same time because Jurassic Park came out a few years before my parents finally started letting me watch stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they sheltered me like really heavily for a while and then kind of released me upon the world. And I've <laughs> talked to them about this and they really wanted to kind of make sure I had like a good moral center and a good head on my shoulders before I started being exposed to more violent things. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, and my mom was just in town and she asked me about that. She's like, uh, like, did you... Like, how, how, do you think that that was a good thing? You know, like, cause she can ask me that now. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm a grown ass man. Yeah. And <laughs> like, Hey, did what I do like work out for you? Like, right. Yeah. And I mean, and I had to stop and think for a second. Cause when I was a kid, I really resented it because like I wasn't allowed to have Nerf guns because my friends were all playing, like playing war with their Nerf guns. And then here's me. And I had like a bunch of little hacky sacks that I was throwing at my sister. That was my, <laughs> <laughs> that was my, uh, my parallel. But I'd go to friends' houses and they'd have Nerf guns and then like I'd want to play so bad and we'd you know like we'd we'd have Nerf guns we're like jumping behind the couches and kind yeah, of like yeah. popping up over and trying to shoot each other and it was <laughs> so much fun. But um, but I always had this awareness when I did that 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 it was like we're playing at warfare, you know, which oh. is not. And so I like I wanted to do it because it was something I wasn't allowed to do at home, so I wanted to do it out. But I always had that strange feeling like this isn't an okay thing to do, but I'm going to do it just this once. It's like, you know, having a cupcake. Like you don't want to have <laughs> this like crazy good cupcake every day. Um, That's really interesting because I remember I had to like, my, my parents were pretty good about, you know, like they did really well at like instilling morals and all that stuff. But like I played a lot of video games growing up and I remember I really like once I was away, like I know I stopped playing video games for a really long time and I really had to kind of like work on it and be like, no, like that was fucked up because I was literally playing a soldier in a current combat situation, yeah. like doing shit. And I was like, whoa. Um, so that's interesting that you were able at a young age to understand that it was it was a game that was very obviously imitating real life. Yeah. And that you were able to separate the two. So uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And I think that that's like kind of the the thing that I got from that from my parents is that I did become a pacifist, you know, like I it's not that I it's not that I think that like aggression is wrong because mm-hmm. there are definitely situations where you need it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not that I think that war is necessarily wrong because I, I don't think there are absolutes like that. But, um, but there was a time in my life where like nine 11 happened. I was in high school and I thought that I, there might be a draft because mm-hmm. they were talking about that. And like, 
I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think very differently about this now, but at the time, like being drafted was my absolute worst nightmare. My worst nightmare. Where yeah. it's like, if this happens and I get drafted, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, like run away to Canada or something. Yeah. And it's interesting because now I feel very differently about it. It's, I, this is, this is an interesting conversation because it's really showing me how much <laughs> I've changed where like, just because Haunted Hill was a horror movie, I hated it. I'm sure I'd like it now just because Event Horizon felt like a, a gory horror movie. I hated it. I'd probably like, I'd, I should watch these again and see if I like them now. But as a kid, like, uh, it was really instilled to me that war was wrong. You know, my parents were, uh, children of the sixties and very much hippies yeah <laughs> and uh you know and very very much pacifists but i think it's because of science fiction that i've actually come to recognize the necessity of war and you know the reasons that you actually like need to fight a war like starship troopers is a really silly example but you have uh or let's go ender's game instead have you read ender's game i haven't and i i have not seen the, okay. the well, new let's go starship troopers either. have yeah. you seen that i have yeah okay big fan of the movie so uh, Starship Troopers, you have these aliens that you're not really communicating with and they're just like coming to kill you. Like, what are you supposed to do? You know? Yeah. Like, you have to fight. Uh, and the interesting thing about that movie is that when they, like, they finally like establish a dialogue towards the end with that like crazy big mushy yeah. bug. But I mean, if I'm remembering this correctly, they, there's no like talking to these creatures. They just want to kill you. Like, that's the only thing they care about, right? Yes, but I also remember a big part of that movie being that they, they in, like, there was no reason to fight them. They wanted to kill, like, if, if you were around them, they wanted to fucking kill you. Right. But there was no reason really to be fighting them in the first place. And I always thought it was an allegory for fascism. Huh. And, like, this was like a, like a, a weird, like, campy dystopian future where, like, the whole, like, because in, in order to be a citizen within that society, you had to... Uh, you had to serve. You had yeah. to serve in the military, and by fighting, you earned your citizenship. Otherwise, you weren't allowed to vote or do anything like yeah, that. Yeah, all that propaganda a... video stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that's a great movie. It's so good. I, f- I, I really need to rewatch that. Yeah. But like, I, I watched that a bunch of times in high school and a bunch of times in college. Yeah, um, I hated it when I saw it as a kid. It was too violent for me. I couldn't handle it. The and first I saw time, it as an adult, and I was like, this is amazing. The first time I saw it, I had the same reaction. I was like, this is weird, and I don't get it, and fuck this. And, yeah. and then, yeah, I went back and I watched it. I was like, whoa. Like, there's yeah. all kinds of crazy shit. Neil Patrick Harris is he's there. So like, good. he's basically Doogie Hauser in space. Yeah. But this is a terrible example of the point I'm trying to make, though. Like, <laughs> I, let's just go World War II, because, like, World War II you have this like regime that is going to destroy the yes. planet unless you stand up and say no. Right. And that's like, that is a, a just war, you know? Yeah. Uh, or at least that's what we've been taught. And here's the thing that like I get stuck on all the time is that this is just like what we've been taught through history books and history books are always like written with uh, the slant of like propaganda in them because, you know, we live in this society, you know? That's like, true. I, I I'm not I'm not speaking well right now. I, I was going to say, like, I I think Hitler was definitely a bad guy. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. But it's interesting. But, but no, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I mean, like, World War Two is kind of one of the interesting flashpoints in history. Um, and even if you read a history book today, it's weird because you can you can read World War like you can read about like World War Two and things that happened there. And like it was it was terrible. And in most history books that plays pretty well but i've like if you look at different approaches to the way history books talk about 
Vietnam or like the Korean War. Like it's yeah. it gets a little more murky and it's right. like, oh, like there was all this weird like uh you know the red scare stuff going on over here and people are like oh and we're living in this weird day and age where like wars are fought for the wrong reason definitely in the last like yeah since for almost like 40 years i would say since yeah since at least the reagan era yeah and then yeah that's very weird stuff yeah i mean like going to war over oil is insane and i like we'll never know the whole story of what happened like the bush era Mm-hmm. But think, shit was questionable, right? <laughs> uh, whereas, like, I don't know. So it's like when I grew up, I always thought that I was anti-war because there was all these wars that I wouldn't get behind. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, I realized that I'm not anti-war. I'm anti those wars, and that right. there are wars that I would. Uh, I don't know if I could ever fight in a war. I don't think that I have that in me. You mm-hmm. know. Um, I'm sure that if I was like thrown into a post-apocalyptic aliens are coming to kill us all situation, right, right. <laughs> I would strap on my laser gun and I would go at it. Uh, like when all, when all choices are lost and the only thing to do is fight. I, that, that is deep down inside me, I think, mm-hmm. but it's really, really, really deep down. I think if, if something came up and like I was needed, I would try to serve. Like I, I would want to be the person who keeps people's, um, hope alive. I'd want to be Neelix. Yeah. Like I, I want to be the morale officer. I want to like play music and um, and like make give bring people joy and entertainment so that they have like that kernel of spirit to go fight another day. Like yeah. that's that's where I would be able to contribute. Like the most. like if this were like if this post apocalyptic future were a D and D campaign, you would be the bard. Like you would be like strumming on a <laughs> yeah. loop. Like it's worth it, dude. That reminds me. The other day I was out uh, drinking with some friends and. Some they were talking about like playing D and D, and I was like, I've I've never played I've never played D and oh, I have never played D and D. And then the, someone looked at me and said, "Man, you're just not a nerd at all, are you?" And I, I, that was my reaction. What? I was like, I was so offended. It was so strange. Like, I mean, offended is like the weird a weird reaction, but I was very offended. Yeah. And I started screaming at them. I'm like, dude, this is Klingon tattooed on my arm. I have two sci-fi podcasts. I spent all day long like writing science fiction music. I'm like the biggest nerd that I know. And they're like, you're. I, I said like I'm the biggest nerd I know. They're like, no, you're really you're really not. And it was weird. It's like it was like a competition all of a sudden, and I lost somehow because I haven't played D and Okay, first of all, you're definitely a nerd. Uh, Thank in, you. In my opinion, <gasps> you're a giant <sighs> fucking nerd. But, <laughs> but um, okay, no, I, there's a, I think there's a lot of people who like haven't played D and D, and some people think, I, I think there's this, uh, this assumption amongst people who have played D and D that's like, oh, you haven't played D and D because you think it's like somehow beneath you, or you think like you're better than that, right? But in, for me, like, I didn't play D and D until last year. Just because I never had the opportunity. I didn't yeah. know anybody who understood all the rules and everything. That's that goes exactly what it. happened to me. Yeah. yeah. So, like, finding finding a decent, like, uh, like a game master or a dungeon master who understands the world you're going into is really fucking difficult. And, like, mm. the, the amount of time that you got to do to actually understand what's going on in a given universe is insane. But yeah. There's an amazing Star Wars uh, tabletop RPG. Excuse me. Um, I think it's called Star Wars Edge of the Galaxy, but it's so fucking cool. There's like there's chance dice that you use instead of the um, typical like D20s and everything. Cube here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my god, you can like it takes place um, just after Episode Six. Like that's like cool. the time frame it's centered in. Um, 
it's it's so fucking rad that's awesome yeah i, I don't see, have anything else to say other than it's fucking rad and you should give it a shot if you can <laughs> my when i was a kid there was this uh friend of mine named russell and i went over to his house once to hang out and like to spend the night and he had this star wars card game that was kind of like magic but with star wars and that's the only time i've ever played any of these games like I've never played Magic. It was just this one, this one night with this Star Wars game. I don't even remember what it was called. Uh, and there was so many rules, and he was just kind of like destroying me in the game and doing a poor job of explaining it to me because, like, and I I was guilty of this when I was a kid also. But like you, you play a game with someone that they don't know, and you beat them, and you feel good about yourself, yeah. right? Because <laughs> that's all you got at that age. You're yeah, like, totally. Oh, I can't do my math homework, but fuck you, Jesse. Yeah, <laughs> and it was kind of like a one of those situations. Yeah, yeah, you just get your ass kicked. And so then... it just kind of turned me off to the whole thing, you know? Because uh, I'm like a, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a wimp about that kind of stuff. No, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, it's just not a world that I was ever exposed to. Uh, it, like, do I have interest in it? I guess like I don't know I mean I don't know what I'm missing so I and I'm so fucking busy like I don't I don't yeah. have time to do like I have so much I have to do and I still don't have time to do it so it's like every day is like picking something that I need to do and yeah. the idea of learning the D&D <laughs> universe just seems like uh, prohibitively difficult at this point in my life the I'm in a very similar boat and the way that I was able to swing it was by Finding so a, a good friend of mine in Olympia, um, Drew Glassbrook, really great guy. He might listen to this podcast. Um, he uh, Drew, you better fucking you better listen fucking to this listen, podcast. Drew. I'm shouting you out right now. Um, he uh, he was like, "Hey, do you want in on this campaign?" And I was like, "Sure." And so the the thing was like, all I had to do was like write my character's backstory. I write almost every day, so like. I was like, okay, I think I can squeeze that in. Like, I'll, I'll pump out some poems, and then I'll just, like, write some bullshit about, like, this character that I'm going to create. Um, and I was able to do that. And that was, like, all I had to do. So, like, an hour tops of work. I think I did it in, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and then outside of that, I was done. I was able to continue, like, doing all the other shit that I was taking care of. So if you can find people who do have the time to, like, focus on that and, like, take care of, like, the world building and everything, and then just, like, take an afternoon off from everything else that you're doing to actually play the game... That's like, huh? That's the best way to do it, in my opinion. Interesting. I should do a podcast where I get some people over and then play D anD D for the first time, and we record it. Honestly, that would be amazing, and I would love to be a part of All that. Right. <laughs> you, you would be my way into the world. <laughs> I, let's do it. I mean, why not? Fuck let's it. do it. I'm yeah. in. All right, cool. I'll, cheers. Cheers. Um, did we miss anything with hoverboards? I don't want to like. Oh yeah, we uh. We just went on like a forty minute <laughs> tangent. Um. I want to make 100% goddamn sure that we talk our way through hoverboards in this episode. No, because we did such a piss poor job last time. I don't yeah, know. What, exactly, because we never mentioned it. <laughs> what do my notes here say? I have, um, okay. Popularized by Back to the Future 2 and 3. Um, yeah, we talked about the uh, the Lexus hoverboards and the Arcs Pax hoverboards. Oh, fucking kid's house burnt down. Yeah. That's important. <laughs> yeah, like the, the two-wheeled ones were exploding, right? Right, right. So Swagway... Um, and I, I meant to follow up on this and then this is what happens when, <laughs> when four months pass between planning stage and execution. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, uh, uh, Michael Brown of Chippewa 
filed the lawsuit last week, last week as of uh, December 16th, 2015, in U.S. District Court in Indiana against South Bend, Indiana-based Swagway and Models Sporting, Mo, sorry, Models Sporting Goods Incorporated. Uh, so this guy bought a Swagway scooter from Models for his kid's Hanukkah present, and I guess they, they rode it for 30 minutes and then plugged it into charge per the instructions, and 45 minutes later... Uh, the entire thing burst into flames from the center. Like wow. uh, kind of, they described it as fireworks. Like it just like popped into flames and caught some of the packaging material that was nearby. And it did like a bunch of significant like smoke damage to wow. the house. The fire department had to come in. Nobody was hurt, but uh, it was pretty crazy. That's so lucky though. Yep. I mean, it's a very unlucky thing. Yeah. <laughs> hey dad, my hoverboard exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Although... That's how I'll, like, it's a good story. I mean, if, in the future, kid. like if I have children and like my son's like, what was 2015 like? I'll be like, oh, hoverboards were blowing up all over the place. <laughs> I mean, it was like Icarus <laughs> flying too close to the sun. We thought we had it all figured out. But it's like Biff is like <laughs> flying DeLorean. I haven't seen one of those since 1985. I love that line because like I'm sure I'm sure that there were no flying cars for like another like 25 years after that in that in that timeline. But he still remembers 1985, the moment that he saw that that DeLorean take off. He remembers that as the first time he ever saw it. Uh, tangents again. Um, um, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think that's it. That's yeah. yeah. Kids' house explodes. Uh, so we got to talk about the fact that these are not hoverboards, and they should not be referred to as such. Exactly. Okay. So that's that, I have a really. God, I'm knocking my sunglasses off. Um, not, not that I'm wearing them. I forgot this is <laughs> the, radio. The sunglasses yeah. on your chest. I'm, I'm wearing. You're I'm gesticulating wearing so wildly that you're <laughs> punching yourself in the chest. God, I get that from my mom. I just start throwing my arms all over the place. Um, <laughs> love you, mom. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like, like, there's no, I, I don't understand where the name originally came from. I guess it's a marketing ploy. I th- I, it must be. My, so, like, I think some of them have LED lights on the bottom of the foot deck, right? Mm-hmm. And I, like, I, I'm curious about like language and the way things evolve. Um, so like sometimes people will talk about uh, with like tuned up cars, like the way that when they'll have like the glow kits on the bottom of them, they'll talk about how like it looks like they're floating or whatever. So I'm thinking like my guess is that some person was like, oh, we put LED lights on the bottom, like huh. on a on a glow kit and they float, maybe hoverboard. I don't know. That's kind of a long shot, though. I'm just trying to make my English degree worth something. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I mean. I, I think I mean, someone out there knows that every child of the 80s wants a hoverboard exactly you know like you're not going to hear that name and not immediately think like fucking marty mcfly right and yeah and this company made a shitload of money they have they have trademarked the the term hoverboard as one word how i don't know (laughs) i i I couldn't tell you but they they have filed a trademark and uh i'm really offended by that i don't know why that's possible hover space board hover like gap board yeah i think that's still fine um, but yeah, it's a uh, yeah hoverboard technologies in Silicon Valley. Uh, they are yeah they've oh yeah this is actually kind of interesting. Okay, right. So we talked about the one wheeled um, the one wheeled sort of like unicycle transporters. Yeah, and the two wheeled uh, automatically balancing kind of things known as hoverboards. So hoverboard technologies in Silicon Valley is actually merging the two ideas. So you have a skate deck something that looks like a traditional hoverboard like you might have seen in Back to the Future 2. And in the center is one wheel that kind of runs 
in the same direction as that skate deck, right? Okay. So it's about as close as you can get to an actual hoverboard because you kind of have this sort of pivot kind of thing going on where you direct it and you're kind of traveling horizontally on this thing. Got it. Um, and it seems rugged. It seems like it's able to actually go over pebbles and things without being stopped. It can reach speeds of 20 miles an hour. Wow. Really interesting. Um, but it's still not a fucking hoverboard. It's like, touching it's, the ground. Yeah, it's like, like it's not floating. Like we we are not defying gravity yet, and it's a prerequisite for being a hoverboard <laughs> is that you have to hover. Exactly. It's a simple thing. It's a very yeah. simple, th- and yet somehow these companies are able to get away with trademarks like that. I don't know. I don't know what opened the door for that, but it's a fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> very frustrating. I I really hope that someday hoverboards become real. Like. I mean, obviously, I hope that that was a really silly thing to say, but I, <laughs> there I was don't know. In, even watching that movie as an adult, I, I so I'm watching all the Back to the Future movies right now in preparation for the next sci-fi on trial, which is going to be Back to the Future three. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And uh, the first Back to the Future, like, so I, I just the last two nights is when I watched the first two, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting to watch the third one because we're going to have a viewing party for the the panel next week. Oh, that's um, awesome. The first Back to the Future. Like I've watched so many times as a kid, but I haven't seen any of these in quite a while, uh, and I don't have any idea how long. But probably not as like a, an adult, mm-hmm. you know. Probably as a teenager was the last time I saw them. So, the first one was so astonishingly good that I almost couldn't believe it. The back, the first Back to the Future movie is uh, so close to being just the perfect film. It's like ninety eight percent perfect, and it has like just a couple of. Like, there's, like, two moments in the whole movie where I'm like, like, well, you don't necessarily have to do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's just about as close to being a perfect movie of anything that I've ever seen. And I was shocked by that. There was so many jokes that I didn't get as a kid, so many references that didn't make sense to me. Like, there's stuff in it for adults, and obviously there's stuff in it for kids because it captured, like, all of our imaginations yeah. when we were kids. Uh and it's just so exciting and fun. And like Doc Brown is like the, the chemistry between Doc Brown and Marty is palpable. Like, and there's never been a relationship like that on screen of like an old man and a young kid who are just really good friends. It complete. So like it became the impetus for Rick and Morty, yeah, the, which I still haven't seen, which is, Oh, maybe this is how we got on the topic of hoverboards. Like back whenever this, this idea first gestated, yeah. but like, there's okay so there's a um a documentary about the like the all the DeLoreans that are still like out there and like back in the, time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I watched yeah, yeah. that okay yeah, okay and they talk awesome. about Rick and Morty on it yeah yeah, yeah they bring it up and Dan like, Harmon's there briefly yeah it's yeah. it's uh, uh, awesome um but yeah I watched it. it was great but but you're right I mean like this the original Back to the Future was like amazing and like the way that they executed everything I don't know, like the and the the chemistry between the actors also really plays and so good seeing everybody it, like. You know, uh, seeing people change emotionally and also like in a very literal sense where like you have the beginning of the film and then like by the end of the film, like, uh, you know, Marty's dad is like a he's like an actual sci fi writer and everything. And like and he yeah. made all his money and, and Biff is their I don't he's know, their bitch. Yeah, <laughs> he's their manservant. Like, yeah, Crispin Glover is exceptionally good in that movie. Uh, and then the second movie is just like non-stop action it's just like balls to the fucking wall like the yeah. movie within seconds you've gone to the future 
Yeah. And then within <laughs> seconds, like you're in the the midst of the plot. They, they waste no time in that movie. And there's almost no downtime at all. It just picks up exactly where it left off, which yeah. I think was really smart, too. Yeah. Um, but kind of a bold move, considering, yeah. like, because when did, when did the second one come out? Like, 85? I know the third one came out in 90. Maybe it was. It was a year apart. The okay. The last two were a year apart. Didn't so the first one come out in '85? Maybe it did. Yeah, that that makes more sense. So then two would have come out in like '87, '88. 80... I think we're okay. two and three. Let's find out. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Let's like. Try this. <laughs> okay, Google. When did Back to the Future come out? Back to the Future Part Two was released in United States of America on November twenty second, nineteen eighty nine. I didn't say part two, <laughs> but but there but you that, have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Google. When did Back to the Future One come out? Oh, don't talk to me this time, you piece of shit. Um, nineteen eighty-five. Nineteen eighty-five. Okay. And then, uh, so if two and three were a year apart, then three must have been nineteen ninety. Yeah, you yeah you were you were dead on. Yeah, nineteen eighty-five, eighty-nine, and ninety. Okay, cool. It's kind of a big gap between the first two. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they came out a year apart, they they probably sh- like they shot them back to back. Right. Which yeah. so that must have they probably shot the first one and then oh, okay, yeah, it went over really well. All right, let's let's do two let's do more. Got greenlit for two more. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. The second one just feels like it has this insane sense of momentum and purpose the whole yeah. time. And I love that it's I I just lo- I love it so much. It was always my favorite of the three, and now as an adult it's definitely still the most fun. I do feel like Back to the Future is a better movie, mm-hmm. but part two is just so fun and exciting. And it's just like the best sense of like sci-fi adventure that I've ever gotten from any movie. There's there's so much time travel in it. I think in the yeah. first one, like they kind of, you get this, okay, like it's, oh my God, we have this time machine. And you're like, whoa, it's mind blowing. Like, like and you get, you're introduced to that. This kid goes back in time. He sees his parents. And then in the second one, it's like, we're going to the future. We're going back to present time. Holy shit. We yeah. altered everything. Now we're back in 1955 again to <laughs> time stop that. Yeah. into this tangent. It's like, <laughs> oh, God. And, and they really, they go down that rabbit hole of like, okay, but no, we seriously have a time machine. What does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, even halfway through the second movie, Doc Brown's like, well, I got to take this thing apart because <laughs> this is causing too much trouble. Uh, but the third movie was always such a fucking disappointment to me. And I'm really excited to see it again next week because I haven't seen it in such a long time. But I I, the, I remember the first time I watched these movies as a kid and like this, it was just this like ramping up of excitement in the first two. And the third one just like fell flat to me. Uh, really? Yeah. Where I just like didn't give a shit. I mean, you, they followed the same arc of the first movie where they just time travel once and then you spend the whole movie trying to figure out how to get home while dealing with all the problems that are caused by you being there. Uh, whereas the second one was so different. The second one like hit all the same beats as the first movie in a completely different framework. And I feel like they really needed to do that in the third movie. So when I watch the third movie, I always see it as kind of a... like They, they had set it up in the second one, right? And it was a continuation of these problems that were created because of this time machine. Right. And I think Doc Brown just kind of like went back in time because he wanted to get away from everything. But inevitably, it's sort of like going on this idea that like you can't run away from your problems. And then like, yeah, Marty. well, he went back in time by accident because of the lightning strike when he was flying the DeLorean and the uh, 
at the end of the second movie. Oh God, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Disregard everything I said. But he was talking. <laughs> he was talking in the second movie about how he did want to go back there. Um, but then he wrote to Marty saying like, "I'm fine. Like, don't come get me. I'm happy." Right. Okay. Yeah. But okay. then Marty realizes that he gets shot and has to go back to save him. Yeah. Because they're such good friends. I am. I'm really interested to see it again. But I'm glad we're talking about it now because this is like all the build up to the Siphon trial yeah. for me. <laughs> and I, I'm glad to get my thoughts like on paper, as it were, before I see it again, because I'm so much more positive now about these types of things. Like I'm, I, I look for positivity now in films, whereas I, when I was a kid, I just like looked for it to be exactly what I wanted it to be. And if it wasn't, I couldn't mm. accept it. And I think actually tying this all back together, I think watching horror movies as an adult really taught me to kind of open my mind to what the movie was presenting because horror movies present things that are so disgusting that like, there's really no, like, it seems like there should be no joy to be had in the watching of it. Yeah. But there is. So like trying to just justify that and kind of assimilate that in a way that makes sense in your, like, you know, in your mind and have it all coalesce in a way that, uh, makes sense to you is 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 almost like a challenge like how can you watch these people go through this awful fucking thing and how can you you have to find a way i guess to enjoy it in some way so oh, yeah i mean and like to, enjoyment is in like evil dead movies you know like i yeah, enjoy yeah, yeah, those yeah. movies like there's definitely horror movies that aren't meant to be enjoyed they're meant to be suffered through it's, yeah meant to be endured <laughs> yeah but then it, i guess it's like character building or something you know like I mean, I've never watched any of these body horror movies like Human Centipede or Saw or oh, anything like yeah. that. Uh, the closest I've gotten is Tusk, the Kevin Smith movie. I, I still haven't seen it. I'm like, and you should watch it's it. It's totally on me at this point. Like, it, yeah. it's been out for four years. So I'm, I love Kevin Smith. Like, I spend most of my day every day listening to Kevin Smith podcasts. I, uh, I used to do the same thing. I used to listen to Smodcast yeah. and Tell Him Steve, Dave, and like all those, like so much on the Smodcast network. Like, I've yeah. I listen to uh, Smodcast, uh, Fat Man on Batman, uh, Hollywood Babylon. Hollywood Babylon's great. <laughs> My favorite one is uh, Talk Salad and Scrambled Eggs, the Frasier Reconsidered. That's the, you were on that one, I was right? on that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which kind of haunts me. So I, I got to tell this story now. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but here we go. Cliffhanger! I'll bring you the rest of that next week. Next week's episode is a really, really good one. It's the rest of the conversation with Pete. And I'm going to talk a lot about my testicular cancer, which I haven't really gone into in much depth on the show before. Uh, but I went in for all of my, my year checkup tests recently and have some fun stories to tell about. My balls. Well, my ball. My ball at this point. I have to add, right after we recorded this podcast about hoverboards, this video hit the internet of this dude on a new type of hoverboard. It's called the Flyboard Air. You probably saw this online. Uh, it basically looks like the hoverboard that the Green Goblin flies on in Spider-Man. Uh, it's like a dude with a backpack that has kerosene in it. He's got a little remote in his hand, and he's got this thing on his feet uh, that he flies around on. Still not quite there. Still not quite a hoverboard, but this might be the closest thing yet. I don't know. This doesn't feel like a hoverboard to me at all. I'm going to be honest. Uh, closest thing yet, bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on myself. I don't I don't feel like this is a hoverboard at all. It's a fucking jetpack. It's just standing on it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know science. All I know is that if it's not pink, and if it doesn't say Mattel, and if it doesn't hover a consistent, like, several inches off the ground all the time, it's not what I want. That's what I want. I don't have it yet. All right, well, we're going to call it a day for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for the next Sci-Fi on Trials coming soon, and then I'll have the rest of this conversation with Pete GK next week. Thank you much. See you then. 